brothers and sisters. Hello, welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 106, season four. We're just excited to be with you on today. We thank God for this opportunity back in our hometown. Yes. Yes, broadcasting in Hickory, North Carolina. Yes, Praise sir. the Lord. As we continue with Black History Tributes, we're going to focus on life, continue to focus on life. And our topic will be African-American African -American First, Part 2. African-American yes. First, Part 2. And our subtopic is Black Originals in different categories, from business to politics to sports and everything in between that have never been recognized or highlighted in Black history moments by the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. So we're coming to correct that on today. And like we did last week, we talked about a number of individuals that was very prominent. Anthony Johnson, who was the first prominent black landowner in the mm -hmm. English colonies. We talked about the C.R. Patterson and Sons Company. That was a, a carriage building firm and the first African-American owned automobile manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And we also realized that it was actually before the T-Model Fords. And we don't get that information unless you tune in the Sons of Earth podcast. <laughs> Then we talked about Daniel Hale Williams III, founded Provident Hospital. That was the first black control hospital in the nation. Wow. We talked about Constance Baker Motley, first black woman to argue a case before the U.S. Supreme Court, first woman to be elected into the New York Senate in 1964 and 65, and first African American woman to hold a federal judgeship. Yes. Yeah, bad sister, bad sister. sister. Yes, and we also talked about Melody Hobson, name that we love from Starbucks. So we're going to say she was a <laughs> Starbucks first black chairwoman uh -huh. of the board. Uh -huh. And also something we realized and learned, first black woman to have equity in an NFL team as owner of the Denver Broncos. Yes, yeah, we got a lineup for you once again today. <laughs> We're not just focusing on the males, but the females as well. Right. We got That's some right. more bad sisters. <laughs> but before we get started, we definitely want to give honor uh, to God for allowing this opportunity, this platform, uh, this podcast. Yes. And yes, so yes. we uh, also want to give a shout out to our fellow podcasters here on BS3 Network. Oh, yes. There uh, are a slew of us. There's so many of us you would not believe <laughs> that are working tirelessly right. under some fierce mm -hmm. uh, leadership. Yes, yes and that yes. is under the great leadership of our son Ben Sutter III. There right, was no right, question right. when he asked <laughs> for us to be a part. You know, as parents, you want to support your children. That's it. So That's it. there was no question. Uh, we know him to be a visionary. Mm -hmm. We know that he is the energy behind this BS3 network. That's right. And he produces all of this in the spirit of excellence. So we're just following suit. Uh, we have no problem as parents following <laughs> our children. That's right. Uh, when they're doing the right thing. So in <laughs> this case, go. he is doing an excellent job. Yes, and he yes. also offers coaching. If you happen to be interested, as we were, to get started in mm -hmm. podcasting mm -hmm. and did not know where to begin and how right. to begin right. uh, and the ins and outs, 
uh, that information is on your screen. He mm-hmm. offers that service. Yeah, so yeah. please reach out to him. Uh, podcast is, is so real in this day and time. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Get your feet wet. Get started. <laughs> he always says you can you can talk about anything. So right. whatever you decide to talk about, that's your business, mm-hmm. and you can move forward with it. That's right. Now, if you have not downloaded BS3 Network on your Roku devices, you know those new ones that you got for Christmas. <laughs> please do so. That information is on your screen. Yeah, you will yeah. not be disappointed. You will find something for your viewing pleasure mm-hmm. on Roku TV. And so we'd like for you to know that we are here uh, ready uh, and and willing to receive information from you. Uh, Kudos, suggested topics, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, uh, we are here. That's our email address on your screen. And so without further ado, we want to just give you a a sneak preview of what BS3 Network is all about. Mm -hmm. And we'll be right back. BS3 Network, changing the way you watch TV. African-American first resonates with me for a couple of reasons. Number one is because I have a bachelor's degree in business administration, worked for two banks, a large national bank and also a smaller local bank, both in California, as a mortgage loan officer and credit card processing representative. I also worked for two subprime mortgage loan companies as a sales manager. So I have about 20 years experience Mm -hmm. in the industry and and understand a little bit about how it actually works. Also ministered uh, of a gospel and, and pastored experience for 12 years as well. Also while working in this industry as a secular job at the same time. So this tribute, this tribute is near and dear to my heart. And I'm so proud and so excited to bring to you in this business category, the savings bank of the Grand Fountain United Order of True Reformers in Richmond, Virginia. A lot of stuff be happening in Virginia. I'm telling you, Virginia was hopping back in the 1800s. This was the first bank owned by African-American in the United States. It was founded on March the 2nd, 
1888 by Reverend William Washington Brown and mm. opened on April the 3rd, 1889. So y'all see the spiritual connection, right, my brothers and sisters? <laughs> A man of God owned the first black bank. Although the true reformer bank was the first black-owned bank chartered in the United States. Mm. Now, the Capital Savings Bank of Washington, D.C. was actually the first one to actually open in October 17, 1888. My first scripture comes from Galatians 6, 9, and 10. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, as we have Therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So Brown was born in slavery, as Ben Brown, in Hammerham County, Georgia, mm. October the 20th, 1849, to Joseph Brown and Mariah Brown, both who were slaves. Mm. He was sold to a horse trader around the age mm. of eight, and after the sale, Brown changed his name to William Washington. Now, either he changed it voluntarily <laughs> or as a slave, he was required to change his name. But anyway, he changed his name to William Washington. He escaped and joined the Union Army in the North, where he remained until he was discharged from service in 1862. After discharge, Brown attended college in Wisconsin or school I'm assuming it was college in Wisconsin and began a teaching position in the South wow. where he met and married Mary A. Graham. He was outspoken, prominent, a proponent of the temperance movement in the United States. Now, the temperance movement was a movement that was driven to curb the consumption of alcohol. Mm. It had a large influence in American politics and American society mm. in the 19th and 20th century culminating in a prohibition of alcohol, a prohibition of alcohol through the 18th Amendment of the United States Constitution from 1920 to 1933. He was also outspoken against the Ku Klux Klan. Brown initially sought to join the independent order of good temperance, but was denied membership because the society was traditionally white. The society did not wow. offer Brown the option of opening a sponsoring charter name and Grand United Order of True Reformers, which mm -hmm. he accepted. The Grand United Order of True Reformers started as a temperance organization, and in mm -hmm. 1876, Brown was invited to spearhead a new branch of movement in Richmond, Virginia. Wow. When interested in this organization, and the interest actually began to decrease, Brown began shifting organization from a temperance society to an insurance organization, a movement that required Brown to move to Richmond, Virginia in 1880. Over time, organization grew. It grew in size dramatically to where it managed a bank, ran a newspaper, wow. entitled The Reformer, owned several properties. And at one point in time, it was the largest Black fraternal society and Black-owned business in the United States of America. Wow. After the Civil War, he founded the Grand Fountain United Order of True Reformer, a Black fraternal organization. Then in 1887, when Brown visited Charlotte County, Virginia, to establish a local branch of the Reformer, True Reformers, then 
Here comes some problems. Mm. The branch arranged to keep his savings with a white shopkeeper in the county. But racial tensions were high because of an 1887 lynching. So the shopkeeper told other white residents that the local black folks were organizing and raising funds. Mm. And the branch was forced to disband. So Brown then decided, then decided that the true reformers would have to fund and run a bank on its own. Mm -hmm. So that its finances could not be monitored. See? by racist white people. Can't so the save us. can't stop us. So the savings <laughs> bank of Grand Fountain United Order of True Reformers Bank opened a year after its founding, initially operated at Brown's home at 105 West Jackson Street in Jackson Ward District of Richmond, Virginia. Just like many churches that are organized in the actual pastor's home. Right. But the black church and fraternal organization raised and channel that economic spirit into empowerment. Mm. At first, black, black churches didn't, didn't have businesses in the traditional sense. Right. But they had buildings and they had real estate. Mm -hmm. So this represented the only major asset owned by blacks at that particular time. These institutions collected large contributions mm -hmm. and soon established the first black bank. Because of the enormous growth of Black-owned banks, there was a consequent growth of Black businesses and receipts in the millions of dollars from products sold primarily to the Black consuming market. Mm. The first day's deposit totaled $1,269.28. Doesn't sound like a lot of money. That's a lot back then. But it is equivalent to, watch this now, $41,000. Seven hundred and twenty-four dollars and seventy-two cents today. Today, right? In eighteen ninety-one, the bank moved several blocks away to six hundred four, six hundred eight North Second Street. The bank grew and survived the financial panic of eighteen ninety-three, during which was the only bank in Richmond to maintain full operation, mm. honoring all checks and paying out full value of its accounts. Which brings me to my second scripture, Psalm 37, 23 and 24. It says, the steps of a good man right. are ordered by the Lord, mm -hmm. and he delighted in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Reverend Brown, mm -hmm. he died in 1897, but the right. bank continued to strive after his death, expanding into a number of other services, including newspaper, real estate agency, yeah. retirement home, and a building and loan association. New branches opened as far as Kansas. Mm. And in 1900, the bank was operated in 24 states. Black owned. Black come owned. On, come on. Owning property valued at a total of $223,500, which is an equivalent of $7,961,000 mm. today. After the turn of the century, the bank's prospects began to falter on their new president, Reverend William Lee Taylor. I hate to throw you under the bus, Reverend Taylor, mm -mm. but it began to falter under Reverend Lee, William Lee Taylor. Distant branches were poorly regulated 
Oh. And the strict rules that the bank was founded on and what they required initially mm -hmm. for its operations in the first years were allowed to grow lax. Mm -hmm. And under Taylor, the bank made large unsecured loans mm -hmm. to finance lodging projects. These loans often defaulted. Mm -hmm. When the bank's cashier, R.T. Hill, was discovered to have embezzled $50,000 oh. from the company, the resulting scandal brought down the bank mm -hmm. and most account holders lost all of their savings. Oh, no. The banking examiner of the banking division of state corporation commission ordered that the closure of the bank on October the 20th, 1910 true reformers bank was placed into receivership six days later. So it was in operation for 22 years. Mm. Now, while management under subsequent leadership caused True Reformer Bank to eventually close, this other Black-owned banks continue to make history even today. Mm -hmm. Recently, bringing you up to date, a group of Black-owned banks signed a historic agreement with the NBA franchise, the Atlanta Hawks, wow. for $35 million refinancing of Emory Sports Medicine Complex, marketing it. the first time Mm. A professional sports franchise mm -hmm. has a significant loan underwritten exclusively by black banks. So before I turn it over, let me give you this last scripture, Galatians 6, 7 and 9. Mm -hmm. It says, be not conceived. Mm -hmm. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For if he soweth to his flesh, till the flesh reap corruption. But if he soweth of the spirit, of the spirit reap life everlasting. So let us not be weary mm. in well-doing, my brothers and sisters, for in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Look, that is so impressive. I tell you, our people, even back in the 18, 1900s, mm -hmm. you know, savvy business men and women. Right. Uh, and it's good to know that they, you know, survived as mm -hmm. long as they did and mm -hmm. that there are still more black banks right. in existence today right. Right. Um, right. we often wondered if there was any in georgia mm -hmm. i don't know mm -hmm. there i know there was one in uh, california right. Um, right right but that's that's impressive they set the standard they set the standard exactly and they you know they was the one that started the actual opportunity and gave the other black business people inspiration to mm -hmm. to take this opportunity and just take the chance yeah. and take the step so yes we're proud of it you. just goes to show too that you often cannot share everything with everybody right because right. this this gentleman that said they're trying to raise funds and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they end up with no money because they took the money they took the money i right. mean right. you right. can't share everything right. with, everybody with everybody and expect everybody to you know be your cheerleader mm -hmm. they're not gonna do it mm -hmm. they're gonna get jealous mm -hmm. and envious and then want to take what you got right. what you've worked hard to earn mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so Kudos to them. <laughs> right, I, right. I don't do I don't do big big sums of money too well. I manage what we got, <laughs> and, and with right. God's help, and thank mm. God for that. Uh, we ain't in the pole house, so thank God for that. <laughs> but good. there is one final female first okay. that we're going to talk about today, and I call her the legendary and look bodacious. Mm. My husband's starting to use that <laughs> word a lot. Right. She's very bodacious. 
and that is Letitia Tish is what they call her, James, who was one of eight children that was born in Brooklyn, New York. All right. All oh, right. We just visited family yeah. from Brooklyn, Brooklyn New, New York. Yes, we did. Yes, we um, did. She was born to Nellie and Robert James in October of 1958, and she was raised in Brooklyn and right. attended New York City public schools. Mm-hmm. In 81, this sister received her bachelor's degree from mm-hmm. Lehman College, okay. majoring in liberal arts mm-hmm. and with an emphasis on in social work. Okay. Um, very interesting college. I did a little research on them. Very interesting. I didn't see anybody that looked like us on their uh, <laughs> Instructors, professors, uh, uh, maybe I didn't look far enough, but <laughs> anyway, uh, hats off to sister. She got in there. Mm-hmm. She received her JD degree from the Howard University right. in 87. And then she started practicing law in New York in 1989. Wow. She returned back to school. Look, mm-hmm. Continual learning. Mm-hmm. In 2013, attending Columbia University School of mm-hmm. International and Public Affairs, okay. located also in New York City. She loves New York. <laughs> and she obtained a degree in the Master of Public Administration. Okay. She was on her on her uh, mission. Mm-hmm. Now, her career spans from her work as a public defender, okay. staff in the New York State Assembly, Mm. and then on to being a New York State Assistant Attorney General. Letitia served as a member of the City Council in New York from 2004 Mm -hmm. to 2013. That's a long time. time. And she chaired the uh, Economic Development and Sanitation Committees Mm -hmm. and served on several other committees. Now, she later served as the New York City Public Advocate. And that was from 2013 to 2018, which is when she became the first First. African-American woman to be elected to and hold a citywide office in New York City. Wow. Is that impressive or what? All (laughs) the folk in New York City. Right. She happened to be the first. Mm -hmm. Now, we know her as now the 67th attorney general. Mm. For the state of New York. Y'all know who I'm talking about now, right? That name kind of, you know, takes you by surprise. But this is the attorney general Mm -hmm. that we all are hearing about. Mm -hmm. She has a long record of achievements and decades of experience. Mm -hmm. Now, attorney general James is how I'm going to address the sister (laughs) going forward. Is a powerful, effective attorney who has served as a lifelong public servant. Mm -hmm. And when she was elected to attorney general, here we go again, she became the first woman to be elected as attorney general. Now, she has an incredible and a commendable track record in her first term Mm -hmm. as attorney general. She focused her energy on protecting vulnerable New York City residents. Okay. Okay. Now, I commend her for that. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of stuff going on in that. That's a big city. Don't tell me. And she mm-hmm. ensured that individuals or companies that broke state law, uh-huh. they were held accountable. Held accountable. Right. Now we see why she's going after 45 the way she <laughs> is. I love right. this sister. Right. Securing right. more than $7.5 billion mm-hmm. from those who broke state laws mm-hmm. and took advantage of New Yorkers. Okay. She is not having it. Mm-hmm. Including more than 2.5 billion from opioid 
manufacturers okay. Okay. and distributors for their roles right. in opioid epidemic. Oh, see, they they're on a mission too, and I'm it's still you. so bad out there. Right. Right. Uh, right. We're all we're all aware and have probably have family members that are you know affected yeah. by that. Now, her track record also includes um, a strong leadership of helping to remove more than 4,000 mm. guns mm. from New York communities. Mm. That's a lot. Mm. That's a start. Yes, and then took big. down dozens of dangerous drug yeah. and gun trafficking rings mm. throughout the state. Mm -hmm. And then took legal action to stop the increase of ghost guns. Okay which I didn't know what that was, <laughs> unregistered and unregulated right, guns. Right, right. I mean, I'm, I'm like, really? People have guns that they try to make themselves mm -hmm. or, or choose not to register for That's whatever right. reason. Mm -hmm. Attorney General James took on landlords. Wow. Uh, we okay. always hear about them slumlords <laughs> right, right. who harass tenants mm -hmm. and endangered children by violating New York's lead paint laws. Okay. Okay. Ain't that something? So most of us, as I said before, probably never heard of Attorney General Letitia James right, until right. the battle. Until the battle. <laughs> until that battle began. And yeah. by the way, it's a battle that she's winning. That's right. Every step thus far, mm -hmm. she is getting rulings in, in her favor, in the right. state of New York's favor. Right. And I believe she's going to win in the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the battle has really brought her into the forefront. Mm -hmm. And the limelight in the battle with 45. Now, sure. let me just let y'all know, y'all refer to him as uh, Donald J. Trump. Mm -hmm. We re refer to him as 45. That's it. That's, That's right. it. Okay. <laughs> now, you name. know, when I say 45, you know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it anymore <laughs> during this podcast. Mm -hmm. No respect. Yes, a lot no, of shade. No, Whatever. Right. Right. There's a great level of evidence. Mm -hmm. We all know this, mm -hmm. and and I, the news media, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna throw them under the bus. It's right, like right. they keep going through the. Well, they discovered this and discovered right, that. Right, it's like right. really, <laughs> we are not dumb. Y'all y'all just rehashing and circulating <laughs> the same dull information. Mm -hmm. But he is still under investigation for a variety of mi misconduct charges, right, right, apparently right. allegedly, mm -hmm. which we know. Mm -hmm. uh, but we know the deal. Mm -hmm. it, it took place. That's right. And so from election fraud in Georgia, mm -hmm. that great state that we live in now, mm -hmm. to financial fraud in Manhattan, right. to his role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Right. Right. Those are all criminal cases mm -hmm. that are still under investigation, right. um, which brings with them the burden of, you know, proving it until... Uh, Innocent until proven guilty, guilty. Right. A beyond a doubt. reasonable yeah. doubt, yeah. you know, all of that. Um, <laughs> right. But these act, legal actions filed in New York mm -hmm. uh, is civil nature. Cardi, baby, you hungry? Yes, you know I'm hungry. Come on, we about to go to McDonald's. Yes, I want a cheeseburger with some barbecue sauce, mm, a little Coke on the side. You know I got to get the quarter pounder with cheese with the hot seat. I want an apple pie, too, with some fries. Oh, you know what we going to call what it? we going to call it? The Cardi being offset meal. Only to March 12th, though. Only to March 12th. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. Hey! And participate in McDonald's for limited time. Uh, these legal, other legal actions, mm -hmm. they are civil in nature. Right, and right, so the right. complaint, you know, uh, that are civil, mm -hmm. they're allegedly, you know, saying that 45 and his, his chairing, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and that organization right. that he's running, you right, know, they right. all engaged in 10 years <laughs> of financial fraud. Wow. 
where 45 inflated the value of his properties by billions of dollars to hook crook and Mm -hmm. fraudulently Mm -hmm. obtain Mm -hmm. loans, Mm -hmm. insurance coverage, and tax benefits. Now, 45 claimed, listen, one of his properties worth $735 million. Mm-hmm. And Attorney General James said, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's only worth 75 Come mm-hmm. on, sir. So anyway, this sister, Attorney General James, has right. filed civil claims, which is because of her authority, she mm-hmm. can't really pursue them. She doesn't have that kind of authority. Okay. But sister said, look, there, there is a way. Mm-hmm. So she refers these right charges right. to uh, for potential criminal mm-hmm. investigation to the New, New York attorney's office mm-hmm. uh, for the Southern District right. of New York. Right. And get this, the IRS, That's it. which we know he got his cronies in there, mm-hmm. too. But anyway. <laughs> they will want to do the right thing. But these right, two right. cases, they are separate and nothing is stopping either one from pursuing mm-hmm. the the criminal charges that he's under. Okay. Now, while it's sad but true to say he may not serve time, right. we know that. Right. I hate right. to even think of that because mm-hmm. uh, let one of us do something even remotely right. <laughs> similar. Right. right. And we right. are under the jailhouse mm-hmm. for years, probably mm-hmm. for life. That's it. But Attorney General James is seeking to recover the $250 million mm-hmm. that, you know, she alleges was illegally uh, obtained okay. and okay. brand him. We know what branding is, right? <laughs> you know, if, if she could, I'm sure she put that iron to him and, sh- <laughs> and say con man. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all he is. So mm-hmm. she she's working, if nothing else, to to, you know, bring that. Uh, information to the light okay. and identify identifying what he is. Right. So right. she's also seeking to prohibit 45 mm-hmm. from engaging in real estate okay. transactions in New York for five years. Mm-hmm. I wish she would say forever, but I guess <laughs> for five years and to bar him from serving mm-hmm. as officer or director of a corporation in New York permanently. Wow. Wow. She ain't playing. Mm-hmm. So a New York appeals court, I love this, the panel, upheld a $110,000 fine mm. uh, because he was, you know, imp- imposing mm-hmm. that, you know, apparently he um, mm. he was being held contempt of court because right. he didn't want to turn over them documents <laughs> right, right, to this right. sister. And mm. so the judge, like I said, he's on an uphill journey mm-hmm. uh, for him. He's trying to fight to get back this 110,000 a contempt of court check that he given the right, New York right. Attorney General James mm-hmm. but on Tuesday uh the appellate court uh, of that same you know week mm-hmm. the appellate court said uh sorry but no your mm-hmm. fine was uh was justified mm-hmm. it was not unfair he wrote this thousand page well his attorney mm-hmm. a thousand page argument saying it was so unfair and right, why they right, do me right. like that and whatever the fine of $10,000 per day, the judge says was not excessive mm-hmm. and it was not improper right. and right. It, it still stands. Still stands. And right. so, you know, um, this judge in, in, in Gorin, mm-hmm. in Gorin, I mm-hmm. think his name is Mr. Trump mm-hmm. will was willfully disobey, has willfully disobeyed mm-hmm. a lawful order of the court. Okay. So this accountability thing is is still once mm-hmm. again being upheld. Mm-hmm. And so um, Attorney General James says, once again, the courts have ruled that right. 45 is not above the law. That's it. 
He's not yes, above the law. And yes, so sir. for years, she said, he has tried to stall mm -hmm. their lawful investigation into mm -hmm. financial dealings. But mm -hmm. today's right. decision sends right. a clear message is what she's saying, mm -hmm. that there are consequences for abusing the legal system. And we will not be bullied. I remember watching this press conference. She said, we will not be bullied or dissuaded right. for pursue, from pursuing justice. Right. I love this. Mm -hmm. I love her. Mm -hmm. So Time Magazine had an article that I ran across in the headline. I love it. It says, uh, this is September 2022. Mm -hmm. The Letitia James lawsuit may finally nail 45. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> She's going to win this battle and gain the title of respect. Mm -hmm. Once again, of being the first to finally hold right. a former president accountable, right. accountable. for his shabby mm -hmm. and raggedy actions, mm -hmm. conduct, and behavior. That's it. And then That's to it. think he's trying to run for president again. Mm. <laughs> I don't think so. I, you know, I don't know what's taking him. I told my husband, look, I will look, put me to work so we can speed this thing along before this man try to run for office. Mm -hmm. Now, in fact, the New York Attorney General, mm -hmm. Letitia James, right. and Georgia's Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie right. Willis, right. they are locked, locked, locked arm in arm, arm in their, their individual states battle. Mm -hmm against 45. Now, mm -hmm. Fannie Willis is continuing an inquiry mm -hmm. uh, she launched two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, regarding his, you know, claiming that uh, the votes were not right. counted correctly right. and all of that fraud. went viral yeah, and it was yeah. fraud right. and he got in right. touch with the Secretary of State mm -hmm. and find me all these votes. Mm -hmm. And so all of that went viral and all of the text messages and the phone call, all of that's coming to light now. So y'all keep watching. Keep watching and y'all going to see what I'm saying is true. <laughs> that they are after this this man. These right, two, right. Sisters, two they sisters, they are after him and they are not playing. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. If anybody can bring them down, they can bring them down. Yes, Good sir. evening. Good evening. Good evening. Thanks for thank, joining thank in. Thank you. Yeah. Patricia James and Fannie Willis. Yeah, anybody can bring Ooh, them down. I love it. Oh, I love it. Great, great. Oh, I love it too. I love it too. <laughs> so that's another sister in this this final uh tribute. Uh I'll bring her in uh in a few minutes. But now now I feel we have to recognize an African American mm. first. Mm. in the industry of the media that mm. was also combined with ministry like us as well. Mm. Now, I know this is just a podcast show, <laughs> but it's groundbreaking in itself because BS3 Network Come is on. owned and operated by our son. Yes. This is the new age form mm -hmm. of sharing information, education, and communication virtually mm -hmm. that we're blessed to be a part of. Yes. In this in this season of our life, so it's mm -hmm. definitely a first for us. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Also, uh, a uh, a platform from news breaking information as we just got from from Sister Irene right here. <laughs> so we're just excited about the yes. media category. Mm -hmm. And what I'm gonna bring to you today is in this media category is WGPR TV. WGPR TV, which means, listen now, where God's presence radiate, mm. where God's presence radiates yeah, was the first it. 
television station in the United States owned and operated by African-Americans. Mm -hmm. The station located in Detroit, Michigan, and was founded by Dr. William Vinod Banks. He's an attorney, or was an attorney and a businessman, like I said, a minister of the gospel and founder of the Fraternal Order of the International Free and Accepted Modern Masons and Order of the Eastern Star in 1950. Mm. So after he purchased WGPR 107.5 FM, <laughs> the first FM station owned and operated by African Americans in Michigan, in 1964, he was inspired by the radio success, the radio station success, to begin looking into a TV station. So in Detroit, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan is a city of 1.4 million people. Wow. And over half of them are black. Mm. Yet if you watch the other stations, you find that the program is only about one or 2% black. So he felt that there was some room to, in order for another station to come in mm -hmm. that speaks initially or directly to the black audience. So he hired James Paganos. Now, for WBGR, WGPRTV vice president of sales. Hmm. But this is the thing that really was sad. He was unable to hire black ad salesmen. So he set up a school to train TV sales professionals. Wow. Now, some white employees were hired with the stipulation that they train black employees in their fields. Ooh. So despite the national recession, WGPR-TV was able to secure $125,000 in advertisement commitments for the nation or for the national companies, including major auto manufacturers like Ford and GM mm. and department stores like Sears and Kmart, mm. enable them to cover all operating costs for the first year and an additional $300,000 was raised within the station's first 40 days on air. So despite being lower rate and, and placing heavy emphasis on gospel music and religious fair, particularly on Sundays, mm -hmm. the Masons rebuffed an offer of $1.5 million for WGPR-FM in 1973, which is equivalent to $9 million $156,000 today. Mm. And the interesting thing is that President Gerald R. Ford mm. and Senator Robert P. Griffin said in his address, WGPR will serve as a symbol of a successful Black enterprise. This is truly a landmark, not only for the broadcasting industry, mm. but for the American society. Wow. He said, I only wish I could be there with you in person as WGPR goes on air. Mm. And Dr. Banks, Dr. Banks, he would actually credit President Ford for helping remove all the bureaucracy and, and the red tape nice. for the Masons and overriding existing directives from the Pentagon for the steel purchase that was enough to build the tower for the TV station. Nice. Now, Detroit Free Press, excuse me, Detroit Free Press held the station sign on in October the 3rd, 1975 editorial, A New Dimension, mm. and added statue to the area's entire telecommunication history, which brings me to Philippians 3, 13 to 14. It said, brethren, 
I count not myself to have apprehended, mm -hmm. but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind press. and reaching forth unto those things which are yes. before. I press towards the mark of the prize mm -hmm. of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. WGPR-TV marketed towards urban artists in Detroit, Michigan, which in that market meant programming for the African-American community. Mm. WGPR-TV first aired on September the 29th, 1975 on channel 62 on local UHF antenna. Y'all remember that? Mm. UHF that antenna. antenna. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Located on 33146 East Jefferson in Detroit, Michigan. The Masons on the majority of the stock on WGPR-TV. Mm. The station initially broadcast religious shows and R&B music shows and off-network dramas and syndicated shows and older cartoons remain open for 20 years. Which brings me to Isaiah 40, 31. He says, but they that wait upon the Lord yes. shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Mm -hmm. Detroit was never the same, mm -hmm. my brothers and sisters, after this black station WPGR came into existence. Dr. Williams Bank founded both stations. And also the purpose was to initiate all of the stations within that particular category. Mm -hmm. So you have any comments on the stations and what they That's did? That's impressive. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because we're not it, it, nowhere near Michigan, at least in 1975, mm -hmm. but to hear... Mm -hmm. That that was going on, and and the president, right, Gerald Ford, right. I mean, not not a bad president if I can remember. Mm -hmm. He was a Democrat, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. um, well, we yeah. were still pretty young and not into not into the politics then, but I don't remember anything really bad about Gerald Ford. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's impressive to have a president right. in your corner. Give him that support. That yeah. was great. That yeah. was great. And it was, it was and important. The Masons. Yeah, he needed it. And the Masons. He mm -hmm. needed it mm -hmm. because of all the bureaucracy that was going on. He needed some input. I'm or some, sure lots of obstacles. Yeah, lots some politicians that would, yeah. could help him out. So he also served a career springboard for young people and provided much needed ethnic diversity in the local television. WGPR-TV opened doors and expiring reporters and producers and directors and mm. salespeople and accountants and, and managers. Mm -hmm. Young people just sort of flocked to us from all over, says Banks' daughter. There's a woman that was involved, Tanisha Gregory, who became vice president mm. and station manager of WGPR-TV and WGPR-FM. It was Dr. Banks' vision that WGPR-TV provided American, African-Americans with crucial training and, and experience in the television industry, mm -hmm. allowing many local Blacks the opportunity to work behind the cameras in producing, directing, and other roles which place content on air. Instead of having to move to Hollywood, California, mm -hmm. <laughs> to apply for a job opportunity that would probably be limited to African-American, even if you did have an education. Mm -hmm. The station aired some local produced programmers, including the Big City News, The Scene, and Arab Voice of Detroit. See, the Big City News was 
a Monday through Friday newscast that aimed to focus on community activities from African-Americans' perspective, uh-huh. showcasing positive success stories. The big news, the big city news covered local, national, and international stories related, relevant to Detroit's African-American community. It was discontinued in 1992. But the scene, this is what got me excited. The scene, the scene. <laughs> the scene was a nightly dance show that offered young Detroiters the opportunity to display their musical and, and dance talents. Mm-hmm. Ran from 1975 to 1987. Like a soul train. The scene was basically, that's it, that's it. The scene was basically okay. Detroit's version of Soul Train and American Bandstand. The scene featured music and dancing and attracted artists like Stevie Wonder and the Four Tops Mm -hmm. to appear with host Nat Morris. That show was spun off into a new dance show which ran from 1988 to 1996 and featured early Detroit techno artists like Cybertron. You see, Mm -hmm. Detroit, Detroit was R&B and soul capital of the world with uh, Motown Records that originated there as well, Mm -hmm. which was founded by Barry Gordy Jr., but it was founded as Tamla Records Mm -hmm. on June 7th, 1958. But it was incorporated as Motown Record Corporation on April 14th, 1960, because Mm -hmm. Detroit was all considered the the Motor City. Right. Or the Motor Town, with GM and Ford's plants being there. So all these African-Americans flocked to Detroit, not only for work, but also for opportunities now in the media because of Dr. this doctor here. A full-time talent coordinator was responsible for filling mail-in requests for perspectives on stage dancers, booking singers and musical acts like James Brown, mm. the Gap Band, the Time, Jermaine Jackson, were among the few programs, most notably musical guests. Even Prince mm. then had a part of the time had also been heavily promoted by WGPR FM and several gold records given to the station from both he and the band. Wow. And it still enjoys a cult following of viewers mm. and former dancers. Now another early show was Rolling Funk. Mm. Oh, Ro- now Rolling Funk, now y'all probably remember this, also features dance music, but in a roller derby environment taped at the Inkster Roller Rink. This program was produced independently by Black-owned production company, Mm. which inspired for syndication. Then you have the Arab Voice Detroit, which were public affairs shows direct towards a significant Arab American population in Detroit and the suburbs. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Then you had all-night movies. Now, All Night Movies made WGPR the first station in the Detroit television market to broadcast 24 hours a day. Now, y'all remember back in the 60s when at midnight you have those color bars that would go across your TV screen. <laughs> right. TV didn't last it's for that. It's old at midnight. <laughs> you get, get no TV at midnight. But in Detroit, mm. they had All Night Movies. Wow. It was also the first local station to use electronic news gathering, which is ENG cameras, which created an edge over the local station still using 16 millimeter film. Other shows included Face to Face and Detroit Crime Alert and Gospel Time and 
strictly speaking, and talk of the town. Mm. Unlike all the other local Detroit stations, independent WGPR-TV didn't have to rely on national network to supply its program. Mm. The station filled the majority of its broadcast days with shows produced by local writers, producers, and directors, and performers. This original lineup of programs set WGPR-TV apart as the voice of Detroit. Mm-hmm. While the station of Black Owned was dedicated to serving the entire metro Detroit region and its many ethnic groups and included programming such as popular Dino's Grease, Today and Polish Showcase, you, and, what, and what she said, Sheila Gregory, which is Dr. Banks' granddaughter, says, mm. we cannot discriminate and say we're only going to show Black shows and that's it. Mm-hmm. You should... In order for you to survive in this market, you have to reach out to the whole community. And then she also says, I have always believed that Black-owned broadcasting stations are important to the community and the Black people. And she wrote in her book, A Legacy of a Dream, The Life and Contributions of Dr. William Bernard Banks. Without them, there can be some distortion and lack of vital information with both minority and majority communities. My last scripture will be Matthew 5, 14, 16. And it says, ye are the light of the world. Mm -hmm. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Then it's given light unto all that are in the house. Wow. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This particular station, WGPR-TV, was a light of Black excellence that was shining in all of the Black homes in Detroit, Michigan. Whatever its popularity among Blacks in the TV industry were, unfortunately, it failed to attract a large audience outside of the African-American community. Mm -hmm. Even within that community, it competed with large stations that after 1975 offered more programs directed towards African-Americans. After 1980, the station faced its most powerful competition in in all of Black TV, Mm. which was Black Entertainment Television, BET. Moreover, with 800 watts of signal compared with 2 million watts for major Detroit TV stations. Mm -hmm. The WGPR-TV never reached an audience beyond the city of Detroit. By the 1990s, WGPR aired primary reruns and infomercials like The Cosby Show and I Spy Mm. and Rawhide. And on July 25th, 1995, WGPR-TV was sold to CBS amid controversy from the black community, which felt that the station should have remained under African-American management. Mm. And the Masons in particular were criticized for selling the station to the mainstream network. Mm. Two months later, CBS changed the television station name to WWJ-TV. It was nice to say WWJD, what would Jesus do? But no, they stopped at the J, WWJ-TV, and targeted programs for a general audience. But today, the building that housed WGPR-TV is the home 
of the William B. Banks Broadcasting Museum, which oh. opened, which opened, now listen to this, opened on January of 2017 on Dr. Martin Luther King's day. Mm -mm. The museum's mission is to preserve the amazing history of WGPR-TV in its early days to highlight the station's contribution to the local television program. Visitors in the museum can explore the history of WGPR-TV and WGPR-FM in colorful stories and panels and videos and memorabilia and even interactive displays. Wow. I'm loving the information. Thank you for tuning in, Dr. Yeah, Jeff. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank we appreciate you. it. And you know, we we are loving it too. To to find all of these first amongst our people has been just a treat. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. And so um, I'm just here to say that our information, even though they're trying to bury it, right? They can't do they it. Can't do it. They're trying to distort it, mm -hmm. make it disappear, destroy right. it. Uh, it can't be done. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, now what's happening with, with as I said, mm -hmm. uh, Attorney General James mm -hmm. and uh, District Attorney Fannie Wilson, mm -hmm. I think that this scripture is going to apply both ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when you hear this, you will understand uh, what I'm saying. And it's in Luke chapter 12, verses two and three. And mm -hmm. it says, for there is nothing covered right. that shall not be revealed, mm -hmm. neither hid that shall not be known. Right. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness mm -hmm. shall be heard in the light. That's it, that's it. And that which ye have spoken in the ears in closets shall be proclaimed mm -hmm. upon the desktops. The housetop, wow. sorry, not the desktops, wow. but the housetop. Wow. <laughs> look, the desktops too, whichever. Mm -hmm. But that's the word of God. Right. Whatever right. has been spoken in the ears and closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Wow. So there's nothing that's going to be hidden, nothing mm -hmm. that's not going to be revealed that needs to be. God going to see to that. That's it. That's so it. they keep trying to, to squash our history. It can't mm -hmm. be done. Mm -hmm. We're here. We are Black history, That's it. and it's twenty four seven, three sixty five. It's it's not it's not gonna happen. So, we are grateful that you joined us on Thank today. We're so always thankful to have this yes, enriching yes. information. Yes, um, yes, not just Black History Month, but we try to bring it every single month. So, mm -hmm. again, we hope that you have been inspired and enlightened. And uh, if there's anything that you're working on that mm -hmm. needs to come to light do that that's you know right. uh keep making black history every day that's every what day. we do every we're day. innovators we're trendsetters <laughs> right. trailblaze that's what we do right we don't change mm -hmm. we just keep getting better keep so getting better. god bless you continue to enjoy your weekend Thank you. help me wish my mother a happy, happy 88th birthday, birthday on tomorrow yes. Yes. we are here in hickory north carolina ready to celebrate uh -huh. with this with this mother of right. mine right of ours. We mm -hmm. call her mother. It's not an in-law thing. So um, thank you and God bless you, God bless you. and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend.